Happy New Year, listeners. This is Katie. I'm really excited to bring you a double episode drop today. But before I tell you about that, I want to welcome our new Patreon, Rick. Rick got in just in time for us to drop some Patreon-exclusive content, a new limited series game called Chaos Children. I can't wait for y'all to hear it. It's so um, insane to play. And it's uh, very different from Pathfinders. We're having a really good time with it. We think you will too. You want to check that out, head over to our Patreon page for more information about it. Now about episodes 21 and 22, these two episodes represent a transition in our act one storytelling. Um, We're going from sort of recovery and dealing with disease and research and digging into more information about the island and where we are into what is going to end up being a meat grinder that leads straight into the end game of Act One. Some highlights from uh, these two episodes include a sort of creepily charming insight into Ray's past that I'm looking forward to hearing, and some deeply needed insight finally into what the F is going on with Ulver Zandalus. I can't wait for you to hear it. I bring you episodes 21 and 22, Recovery and Ritual. Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act One. Chapter 21. It's the morning of the 30th of Lamashan, the month in the Galarian calendar named after the goddess Lamashtu, the chaotic evil deity of monsters, madness, and nightmares, very appropriate. And the weather today seems to be reflecting the character of this very dark, blustery time of year. Outside the stained glass windows of the chapel, you can see that the winds are extremely high today, wild. They can't dissipate the thick yellow fog, which is filling in behind itself continuously, but the winds are forcing the fog to flow and shift and spiral and eddy in these very unsettling ways. And the wind is changing direction continuously and seemingly instantaneously, left, right, sometimes even shooting straight up from the ground. And it's all happening at speeds that strike all of you as incredibly dangerous. It's the start of day seven of the campaign here. The party has been living like this for a week. (laughs) The other survivors here in the chapel have been doing this for nearly two weeks now. Gull managed to extend the food and medicine stocks a bit, but that was actually days and days ago now. Food's gonna last a bit. We're pretty much fine there for the moment. But the medicine stocks to help Loic, Maeve, Bates, and Brenton will only last a few more days. And you remember this group of battered, worn down, haunted civilian survivors just suffered an attack from within and lost its leader. And the sanitation situation here is grim at best. Morale does seem stable at the moment. It looks like both Vaustin and Nasa are gonna step up as kind of co-leaders in the aftermath of Winter's assassination, but stability may only last for so long. And let's look at the party, too. So, you finally have clothing to wear, so that's a small victory. But, Dora, literally possessed by some evil rage monster, and now she's got a madness causing her to swaddle a starved fox like a baby, 
and carry on complete, uh, if one-sided, conversations with it. Gull is breaking out in festering tumors, and his sense of self, his strength of personality are draining, draining, draining away. He's weakened on the physical disease track and weakened on the charisma poison track. Ray still has filth fever. Grip still has a phobia of slashing weapons. It is time to start getting ourselves the hell out of Dodge. As we start the day, we have four to 10 saves to make versus disease. And we're not gonna forget this time those heal checks to aid them. And then uh, we can make some more spellcraft checks on the lingering items mm -hmm. we haven't investigated, and then we'll talk about where we want to head out for our adventuring day. Who wants to go first, disease-wise? I do. Okay. Gull, like, wakes <laughs> up, and he uh, takes out that little tiny steel mirror that he has, and he's looking at himself yeah. and seeing the tumors, like, bursting on it. You know, I imagine yeah. them sort of like these pussy things and yes. stuff. And he's looking at his face, and he's seeing his face, and he's remembering the fight with, I can't remember which doctor it was, um, where he went down That's and cute. had, and had yeah, and had the memory, the dream. Well, that one was Oath's Day, wasn't it? Oath's Day, yeah. Oh. And... Uh, you went down in both fights. I went down, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. I go, I go down in fights a lot. It's, it's one of the things that I do. Um, and remembering his, remembering both that dream and yeah. also remembering seeing his own face in the large mirror yeah. and, and wondering if that was his real face yeah. and remembering the ragman saying, I know your real name. Yes. Do you? Yes. And so he's looking at himself and like he is starting to not even really recognize himself. Oh, yeah. He's just like, who, who even am I? is that? I don't even know. And so while he's doing, like, he's looking at the stuff and he looks over and he sees Ray's b bag, his mm -hmm. sack of stuff, and without even sort of thinking about it, he just goes over and, like, picks up the healing kit mm -hmm. and pulls it out and starts to kind of look at himself and starts to rummage through the healing kit and uh, he makes a healing kit check on himself like the trained physician that oh, he is. Interesting. Wow, very cool. Go ahead and give me a heal check. This is DC 15 to treat disease. So this is going to be a minus two because I'm sickened, but a plus two because I've got the healing kit. Um, and what's your heal bonus now at third level? Plus eight. Oh, that's great. Nice. <laughs> but actually, before he takes the healing kit, he looks at it and he shakes his head and he gets his extracts out and he mixes an extract and drinks it. Mm -hmm. And he drinks something that's new to this campaign. He drinks a little extract called Tears to Wine. Wow. And this is a really cool what extract. Uh, and what it does is it turns non-magical liquids, including spoiled, rotten, diseased, poisonous, or otherwise contaminated drinks, tears, seawater, and similar fluids into mead or wine creatures that drink the meter wine become sharp-witted and clear-minded, gaining a plus-two enhancement bonus on all intelligence and wisdom-based skill checks. That is, that is oh. sweet. This like increases mead. Yeah. This increases to plus five at caster level nine and plus ten at caster level what fifteen. What a great extract. Wow. What's the duration on that? Uh, it is ten minutes per level. Oh so it'll last wow. for it'll last for thirty minutes. Is this trained physician thing? Is that did that just come to him now, or have have you like had that kind of cooking for a while? Uh, Johnny has, <laughs> but when I heard the thing about uh, 
Gulliver Vaticus being a physician and knowing all this stuff about psychotropic drugs and all this other stuff, I was like, oh. And this idea that he was the physician, I was like, oh, this is a fun thing to kind of like have just, and, and like I said, I think it's the sort of thing where he doesn't think about it, it just sort of happens. happens. That's awesome. Uh, so so let's roll Give it and see how check. I do. DC 15. DC 15, all right. We got a plus 10. Oh, and I rolled a 15. Nice. So, Yay. All right. Totally so plus eight. Now you're going to make your daily. But you, have, you drank that wine. So oh, that's true. Plus, plus 10. So, so 25. 25. Fantastic. So now you'll make your daily save against the tumor infestation. You're going to get to roll twice, of course, because of your trait. And you'll get to add plus four to this uh, fortitude save because of the effective use of the treat disease ability of the heal skill. And do the weakened and stuff does any of that affect oh, oh yeah. yeah the second so <laughs> he's he's got all this is this yeah. oh man yeah so so i have a minus two on this save because of sickened but then a plus four, four. so i get a plus two to this in addition to my save oh my gosh all right i get to roll twice all right i'll roll yeah, roll twice roll twice see which one works better Oh, come oh, on. We have, a, we have a whole new stock of action points now That's at third true. level. Action yep. points, different things. Chain points, I mean. Oh, man. Oh. Freaking six and a three. So oh, I think that's going to be a total of plus two, plus two. So I, I start with a ten. And then do I want to try to blow an action point and possibly two inspiration points? Oh, I think I do because I think that I want to not be sick. And also I think in this moment, he's thinking of himself as, this, as a physician of, I can, I can, I can beat this I thing, can I, can, I can fix this. Shame there. Oh yeah, yeah, there's, there's both shame and also inspiration as, yeah. as a physician of, I can, I can do this. All right, so we're starting with a 10. Come on, Come on, please, Come on. please, please. don't fall further down the track. Oh, 16. I fall further down the track. You do. Oh, man. You do indeed. Oh, boy. Yep. This is not good. Could I punch your disease for you? Would that help? <laughs> you can burst some pustules on his face, I think. You. But, yeah. So he does that, and then he looks at himself in the mirror again, and he's like, wait. Am I a doctor? <laughs> Maybe, I'm. Maybe I'm not a physician. Oh, go. Okay, here we go. You are impaired on the physical disease track. A character impaired by a physical disease also suffers the effects of the exhausted condition. Oh my god. And whenever he takes a standard action, he must succeed at a fortitude save or lose the action and gain the nauseated condition <sighs> for one minute. Also impaired on the charisma poison track. Let's see what that does. Does he to you. lose his old conditions in nope. favor this of this? All keeps stacking on itself. That just doesn't seem fair. An additional minus two penalty on all charisma rolls. Boy, and if this was Ray, could no longer cast the highest two levels of spells. But all right, so there we are. You are continuously exhausted. If you take any action, you might become nauseated, and now you're minus four on all charisma checks. So, all right, we'll so Gulliver looks rough. So maybe our plan to adventure today is not happening. <laughs> Let's take a look at Ray's check uh, and hope that one goes a little bit better. 
do you want to try to uh, treat disease on yourself or do you want to have somebody else help you out? I will treat disease on myself. Great, give me this. DC 15. And this is a straight heal check? Yep. And I can use my healing kit to add a plus. Plus two. Plus two. Yep. Then I'm going to do that. Yes. Natural 20. Yes! Oh, nice. All right. So now you're going to make your fortitude save against filth fever. You get to add your uh, plus four from this treat disease in addition to uh, whatever else you got going on disease-wise, which is already pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, natural 10. Ray has been cured Yay. of filth fever. I've had it since the first day. For the first day, for 20-odd chapters. For but climbing now, on those corpses. Yeah. yeah. yeah That'll learn, yeah. <laughs> Don't Never climb on the corpses. Again. I believe you got corpse juice in your mouth. That's how it was described. I do, I do recall that. All right, so Ray is healthy. That's wonderful news. Uh, now we have got a terribly, terribly, terribly ill Gulliver. Do we have any, we don't have anything floating around that's gonna help with this, right? We had the one I have remove disease potion. Oh, thunderstones, just start throwing uh, weapons at him. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll do him up real good. If, I mean, you, you can look at him, he's, if you, if you come up to him and go, like, we wanna go adventuring, he's gonna say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, but he, he does not look yeah. like he should be going anywhere. Dora's not gonna say that, but Katie, is wondering, is there any check to be made about how bad this could get? Like, what do we know about the disease that we could say, well, you know what, if we just hold up for another couple of days, he'll be fine, or... If you hold up for a couple of days, the best possible outcome is he gets back to where he was when we started today. Yeah. Uh, sickened and fatigued. If he pushes it and he falls further down, uh, the worst possible outcome is death. Yeah. All right. Are we leaving I mean, Gull in bed today and taking care of him? I think we have I, to. I, yeah, I mean... I don't know what else you do, right? I mean, I know we all wanted to adventure today, but... But the dice that. do what they do. I, yeah. This is the story. <laughs> yeah. Gull is incredibly sick. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we're taking care of Gull today. We've got the, the survivors giving you the space in the chapel to do so. Gull obviously can't really do any of his downtime activities. Do you want to have Dora spend a day in the library as we're... Well... Uh, Yes. Can yes. she also do counseling with Tolman again? Oh, if we're taking in a whole other full day? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Oh, Johnny the player wants to ask, was there anything that we wanted to make checks on again that we were unable to make checks on since we are now have a day where we're... <laughs> yeah, because I think I could make a history check on Red Destiny. Okay, let's do some let's do some checks here real quick. How about, why don't we start with the spellcraft? We know we can do that. So we have still... Incense unidentified, right? So Ray's gonna maybe it could help analyze those auras. Uh, did not. Doesn't know. Understand. We have the talisman on the silver chain. All right. So I rolled a seventeen on that uh, talisman. That's your total. No, total would be a twenty-four. And you can also add guidance for yourself on this kind of. Spell. Oh, great! So plus one on that too. Twenty-five. You have figured this one out. Yay. This one is a greater talisman of beneficial winds. Now, the lesser talismans are one-use items. Yeah. The greater talismans may be used once per day. So these talismans are inscribed with the secret names of the four winds and protect the wearer against long falls. The first time that the wearer falls at least five feet 
automatically affected by Featherfall. We'll be able to fall safely. So this again goes in the necklace slot if anybody wants to wear this. Uh, and, and again, you can also wear up to three talismans on one necklace. So this could easily slot right onto Dora's if she's already still wearing one. I am. Um, is there anybody we think is particularly vulnerable to falling or anything like, like that that we should just hand it over to them or should we do a roll off for it? Well, I already have a necklace. I've, I've got an amulet, so. I think you should have it, Dora. <laughs> All the protection okay. for mummy. <laughs> Reynard, we've been given a great gift. The fox yips. We don't have to worry about falling down that deep, deep hole. It'll help with your hollow bones. <laughs> hey, why don't we check on Red Destiny? Let's Come see what on. happens. Come on, Red Destiny. We got you. Oh. Uh... No. <laughs> okay. Sorry. And uh, we're going to take a history check on Red Destiny. 13? 20. Hey, this is the Trice family sword. First carried by Sir Evan Trice, a knight of Ozum, during the Shining Crusade around 900 years ago. It is named as it is for having been baptized in the blood of so many vampires. <gasps> so their family crest is this sort of bird on the pummel of the thing, and you know it is an extremely well-enchanted item, but we still don't know what it does. So you just have to use it. <laughs> I guess, I guess. But yeah, to answer that question bit. of like, is it likely cursed? Well, this is a blade that's been carried by many, many, Memmy. 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 Oh. Memmy. Memmy mummy. <laughs> Carried by many trices over the centuries. <laughs> All right. We'll give it a try. Assuming we ever get to go many. That's the trouble yeah. with trices. Assuming we don't spend the rest of our lives in this chapel dying from disease. He's giving anxiety. ice chips to Gull. <laughs> Gull would ask, is there, do we have anything to write with and paper to write on? You do. Okay. Gull would, in his fevered, laying down, awful state, would be taking some time to write some stuff. Awesome. And we're going to spend a chunk of time in the library with uh, Grip protecting you. Paul, is Ray trained in... Ray may be trained in one of the skills that can be used to make checks in this library, in hmm. which case you could add to the research check. And our previous success also adds to the check. Yes, you get to add a plus one for uh, having already succeeded here. The knowledge skills that can be used to make research checks in the Briarstone Library are local, history, and religion, which you can make, right? I can do religion checks, yeah. Excellent. So, uh, this would be a situation where Ray can make a religion check at plus two because of the library, and if he beats a ten, it's just like uh, aiding any skill check. You get to add plus two more to whatever your result is. Great. I have to use history. It's the only one I'm trained in. Great. Let's start with uh, let's start with Ray. As you settle in amongst the regurgitating and vomiting rattlings who are <laughs> destroying these objects as you read them, let's see uh, let's see how how well you do. So I rolled a natural twelve. I have a plus six on religion, then a plus two with the library. Yeah. Well, that's a twenty. Well, Excellent. Well aided. So aided. So Dora will be able to add plus two to her result. Should I use the big die? Yeah. So this is a plus uh, 13 with the aid, plus one for the previous success. So total of plus 14. Nice. <laughs> 20. 
Okay, so a 20 is enough that is high enough that you actually beat you do beat the complexity rating by five, so you get to roll 1d12 plus your intelligence modifier plus an additional one. Yay. Is this the d12? <laughs> um, eight. Eight total. So picking up the trail of breadcrumbs that you had last been following through this library, we left off with the introduction of this being known as the Briarstone witch and that's where sort of dora kicks off this next uh, flight of research here she learns that folklore has attributed many disappearances and uh, spates of bad luck in the entire thrushmore region to the briarstone witch this elusive crone said to inhabit briarstone isle the first reports of the Briarstone Witch date back to the early 4000s, so 800 years ago-ish, soon after the founding of Thrushmore. And Thrushmore was founded by a congregation, it turns out, of psychopomp-worshipping homesteaders. <laughs> Give me a knowledge Raven planes lovers? check on psychopomps. 25. Psychopomps are these beings in the outer planes that act as uh, the beings that help to ferry people from life to death. So these are, these are the outsiders that take care of souls when they arrive in the boneyard, take them to their judgment for Phirasma, and then take them on their way to hell, heaven, the abyss. They are neutral beings. They're are they connected to Phirasma, or are they just separate doing their own job, or are they like hers? There are different varieties. Okay. So there are some that are powerful enough in their own right that they have certain domains of their own that they sort of rule over. But by and large, they are working on behalf of the natural order of things, which is that mortals die, they go to the boneyard, Farazma judges them, and then they go to wherever they're going to spend eternity in. And they are part of that chain of, of custody, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like a group of folks left wherever they were from who worship these death guides death guides <laughs> and start and founded Thrushmore here about 800 years ago and the original tales of the Briarstone witch attribute many good works to her and they recount her as a figure who helped the settlers survive their early hard years and you pick up references to the witch's favored servant, someone called the Tatterman. You keep going down this route, and you find out, yeah, no, uh, some of these books are calling this folklore, some of these books are calling this legend. Nope, there actually was a woman. There was a Briarstone witch. She was a Kellid interested in cults and occult knowledge, and she shared her esoteric knowledge with these early Thrushmore settlers. She joined them, and as she exhibited her power, she came to lead them. However, 50 years later, after the founding of Thrushmore, that you find a report of a Pharasman inquisitor who accused the people of Thrushmore 
of engaging in perverted rites <laughs> in mockery of Farazma and her servants. Nice. Yep. And uh, yeah, you're 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 going down this route on the Briarstone Witch, and that's how far you get today. I love it. That is so. So cool. I have two successes with this library. Yes. Yeah, so your next one, you get to add plus two. Sweet. And then you're going to get some counseling from Tolman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I very much enjoy, we very much enjoy talking to Tolman. He has a very nice manner and way about him. Renard looks up at you and says, but what's the point of talking to this person? I mean, really, in the broad scope of things, Dora, look at me. No, look in my eyes. Anything he has to say is meaningless. You're right. I'm always right. Yes, you are. So, Grip, you know, Tolman comes in sort of at the end of Dora's research session, and you, you know, as you're watching her, this is, seems like the one part of the day where she's getting engaged and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And mostly it's really focused on the fox. And the research is something she can do with the fox. You know, she can, they can work together and they're handing off to the ratlings and the ratlings are cheerfully eating and uh, shitting and insulting each other and you. And then Tolman comes in and uh, probably obviously the fox does not speak. But you see Dora go into this reverie staring at the fox and not wanting to engage with Tolman as he's approaching. and. Someone's like, is this, is this a bad time? Should I not come here now? Uh, no, I, th- I think this should be fine. Dora, Dora, are you not going to talk to Tolman today? There's no point. Well, why do you say that? Because there isn't. Well, Dora, if I may, there may be a point in talking about how little point there is in talking, right, Grip? Uh, I... That tracks, I suppose. I wonder. But what does it hurt just to talk to someone who might be able to offer you some comfort? Well, one doesn't want false hope. True, but if nothing matters, then nothing can possibly cause you harm in the, in the long run. Yes. Yes. Please, please. Here, let me take that book out of your hands. Um, right. And when you, would you give this to the rattling? I don't want to get uh, anywhere yeah, near yeah, it. No, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, take um, this, you <laughs> fucking filthy thing. His ah. name is is Ratch Mambi. Ratch Mambi. Yes. I, no, I, rem- I remember. I would like to speak about the pointlessness of existence. Please join us. Ah. No, I think that would be not conducive. So Grip sort of ushers uh, Ratch away and gives him a few extra books. Bye. <laughs> uh, Tolman sits down with you. Oh, my God. Me... You mean Ratch Mamby is not going to do the counseling? No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of penalty would that provide? <laughs> Let's see. DC 15 wisdom check. Yeah. Go Tolman. All right. Wow. So you get to add two from him. And you, your charisma my score is, charisma is two, score? right? Yes. So we're down to oh, eight. Eight. Wow. Single digits. And then we've got that other lesser restoration scroll sitting around. You're going to hang on to that, Ray, or you want to throw this into the mix here? Uh, every little point counts. I'm, gonna, I, I'm willing to sacrifice everything for Dora, so. Awesome. 
Yes. You can go ahead and zoom, cast that on Dora at the end of this counseling session, and uh, give me a 1d2. Let's see what she gets. And how do you roll a 1d2? Roll any die, even as one, odd as two. Four. <laughs> Again, one more point. But she's down to seven. Thank you. You're welcome. Dora doesn't say that. Katie's saying thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Dora's this is Paul, not Ray. Barely knows <laughs> what's going on. I know that Gulliver is completely incapacitated, but is there any chance that he would be able to take all those pieces of bric-a-brac and stuff that he took from the different rooms and in his sickbed as he's lying there, finally put together a toy alchemical torch for Bates? Day seven, the toy alchemical torch is completed. Imagining him sort of huddling back in that corner near where, where Loic is, where they have that little fire going there. And um, when it's when it's when it's ready and it's done, do you want to call call Bates in? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah yes, Mr. Gull? Uh, yeah, Bates. I, I know that uh, Doris said that you were interested in my uh, my toys. And, uh, well, I mean, only... I mean, yes. Yes, sir. You know, you and the other kids have been very helpful in, in terms of making my, uh, my munitions. And, uh, Maeve, that, Maeve likes to make weapons, it turns out. He looks a little haunted when he says that. Well, yeah. Any, anyway, this, this is for you. And he hands him the, uh, the fake alchemical torch. He takes it in now, his hands. This, it doesn't actually, you know, explode, but you can pretend with it. But I, I can squeeze the trigger? Yeah. And you see him, so he had been watching you all day yesterday, working with Faustin as you're working on retraining that feat and you're focusing on aiming ranged weapons, and you see him, like, hunker down. He kind of takes this, this position that, that Faustin was teaching you, and he raises the little toy off to the side, and it's clear that he has picked up from watching you how to line up the sights on this thing, and he raises it up right at the statue of Phrasma. And then he goes running out to the playroom. Look what Mr. Gull gave me! Look what Mr. Gull gave me! <laughs> and Gulliver slumps back down, exhausted, and, you know, just crumples. Nice. So this day passes uneventfully other than that, and we rest overnight to the morning of... What is it, 31st now? It's Halloween. As this day dawns, the winds are still howling outside, and they have added today a component of what sounds like a woman growling in rage. Lamashtu is known as the mother of monsters, and it's almost like you're hearing this deific female howling outside as the fog is being buffeted back and forth behind these windows. Let's make those heel checks for this day, Johnny. Oh, man. He is going to do the same thing. He would take a uh, any magical help that Ray wanted to give to make the heel check. On the heel check. So I can do uh, guidance on that? Yeah. Great. He would certainly take that. So this is going to be a, with the tears to wine and that, this is going to be a plus 11. And I rolled a natural one. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> But not an automatic failure. No, not an automatic failure on a skill check. Uh, so total it up. So that's that's a 12, and he's going to blow uh, another two uh, inspiration points to see what that gets him. That's a 
plus another three, so that's... So you got the 15. So I got the 15. Great. All right. All right. So you get to add the plus four to your fortitude saves now. Oh my gosh. I forget that your inspiration points, um, is that daily or uh, per level? Daily. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. So now I get to roll twice and add plus six and then minus two. So plus four. Plus four. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. on. You can do it. You can do it. An eight and a six? Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, so that's a 12. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to blow another two points of inspiration. And uh, that's my final inspiration for the day. And I'm going to blow another uh, action point. Your action point's gone. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what are you going to do? My shame point, yeah. So I'm down to four four shame points. Oh my god. Okay, come on, please. And that is a twenty. All right, one successful save. Oh, on. Jesus. Oh my wow. god. So that means he doesn't progress. Right. But he's still in the he's bad still in the shape same that place. he's in. Okay. Let's see. So this is the morning of the thirty-first that that happens. Okay, so we still are good. We're good on food. We're good on medicine still until the second. And um, so wait, so I'm still exactly where you're I was. Still exactly where you were yesterday. Oh my gosh! I know. You got to do more. another one we of these do tomorrow. Whole, another whole day. But but it's not harder. It's not harder, which is the nice thing. All right, one more nightmarish, long, endless day as passing here in the chapel. Do you think that I would be able to try to, since I have a whole day, mm-hmm. to try to uh, train? Or you're like, no. no, it's a standard action. <laughs> Everything makes you sick and probably not. Yeah, if you take a standard action, you get nauseated. Like I think, I mean, I certainly believe that he would try and he would not be able to get eight hours of no, continuous yeah. training, right? Like yeah, he would, he would, he would he probably would, get some of it in. I, but, no, I would, I, I would probably just know that there's nothing I can do and I just have to yeah. rest. Yep. One more day of research? Absolutely. May I make another spell check on that uh, sword? <gasps> yes. <laughs> oh my god. You have a, a block <laughs> against this weapon. Oh my gosh. Well, it was a six on the die, plus seven is 13. No. Yeah, you don't know. There's still the incense, I believe. Do you want to try that? Sure. <laughs> Natural eight on the die, plus seven is 15. Unknown. <laughs> You're so excited, though. I think you should get a bonus for Absolutely. That. You're like, I rolled an eight. <laughs> so now we're going to go to the library. Give me a religion check. You can add plus two from the library and plus one because you already had one successful check in this library to aid Dora in her research. So that's a plus three with my own plus six, making a plus nine all day. I rolled an 11 on the die. Plus Excellent. Minus Dora, you get, Dora, you get to add plus two. Oh, my goodness. And I get plus two from the library itself? Yep. For 15 bonus all day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Natural one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you do beat the complexity of the library, so you can still roll great. 1d12 plus your intelligence modifier. <laughs> Natural two. Six. <laughs> She's really obsessed with this box. <laughs> Briarstone is beating us right now. Yeah. So we left off around in the year around 4050 
when the Ferozman inquisitors were accusing Thrushmore of engaging in perverted rites. And you find out that, encouraged by the Briarstone Witch, the people of Thrushmore split from the church, split from the national government, <laughs> which you don't do in Ustalav, especially yeah. at that time, when emissaries of the state marched with an army to retake control of the town, they found that the entire population, the entire population of Thrushmore, had disappeared. Oh, wow. All that remained were some gruesome stains marking empty buildings across the empty town, splatters of blood on the three standing stones, but no other evidence of people was ever found. This event became known as the Thrushmore Vanishing. And hundreds of years passed before anybody came back to Thrushmore to attempt to resettle it. That's not creepy at all. No, not in the slightest. So that was day eight. Well, do we want to talk about Sandalus at all? Let's uh, let's gather around the fire. Oh, we can do... Is there a counseling I'll, session? I'll make a roll for Tolman. Tolman gets you plus two more on your wow. sanity damage. What so are you down to? Down to three. Oh my gosh. That is not too shabby for um, too many shabby. days, but only one session. That's nice. So we gather up in the chapel near the end of the evening as Gull is having a, a, a moment of clarity here. A moment of lucidity. Yeah. And let's chat a little bit about some of that. Uh, you know, we we read an entirely new set of information about Oliver Zandalus right before Katie got stabbed in the neck. Uh, Dora got stabbed in the neck. So Gulliver shares this information because I don't think we've actually had a chance right, great. to share any of this before now. And shares this whole bit of information about Avros Satrakian. Uh, having had his friend Bergevin visit him in Rosenport and find out that Zandalus had been uh, along with Dean Mirtmain on one of his expeditions but was captured by a cult of him who is not to be named. Mm. And is this an opportunity to yes. make a knowledge check on him who is not to be named? I will take a religion check on that. I will make a religion check. And that's something that Ray can do as well. I will yes. pet my fox. A, That's what I wrote. A of course. Three. Of course. I'm going to spend one of my. Paul, you have not rolled. I haven't rolled anything. above a 10. 18. Oh. 18. Hey, here's a name coming into the campaign for the first time. Ooh. Him, who is not to be named, is one of the variations of pseudonyms such as the unspeakable or the king in yellow applied to the great old one Hastur who is the great old one of decadence disorder and nihilism you got an 18 is that Mm -hmm. right I think you need a 20 for much more beyond that but you do recognize the name you know his areas of concern and Gull you Think of him as an imprisoned being, perhaps trapped somewhere, but still he is one that somehow is able to reach out and touch the world. And you're aware that cults dedicated to this king in yellow 
do exist on Galarian, and we might need another check later on to get beyond that. Is there anything that I would be able to connect that to the plane of dreams? This idea that he might have been trapped there in a place that was not reachable? Uh, no. No. Okay. No. Is there a history check to be made on cults to this great old one? Huh. Give me a history check. Wow. I need new dice. I can make 14. a history check. Twelve. Yeah, Dora's kind of racking her brain, and as she's thinking about references to cults of Haster, that she is just kind of at the at the edges of grasping. She doesn't she doesn't feel so much like they are like the stories she's half remembering are are not about super super secret cults, but almost audaciously out in the open cults, mm. like noble people putting on these events of high culture, operas or plays where people are- like a fad? Like a trend and- (laughs) That's interesting. Um, Not so common that she would think of it that way, but that one aspect of these cults as she's struggling to remember is sort of tied up in there being almost a public performance, almost an audacious uh, decadence and revelry associated with maybe some acts of bloodletting, maybe some acts of public sacrifice. Like, weird. Is, is there any similarity to what you just described and um, the joy-making? No, that's very definitely associated with Zonkuthan, okay. uh, who is uh, a, a more normal, albeit <laughs> evil, but a more normal deity in, okay. the, in those terms. Can we talk for a second yeah. about Rovagug? Is, is he not the god who is trapped? Uh, he is a god, and he is trapped. But but not related to not the related, great no, old no, ones. Okay. No, this this elder mythos is its whole beyond our yeah, Valerian it's a whole pantheon. other kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and with those checks, I think we'll have to learn more about the elder mythos yeah. uh, and Hester a little bit later. But that's great. This is the first time that that name is dropping in. Gull would share also that Zandalus was also a a talented writer, researcher, and artist, also reportedly a burgeoning psychic Mm -hmm. of no small account, but was rescued by Dean Mertmain and brought to Rosenport to stay at the Ferasmin Lamentations, and then for some reason unknown, was then sent from the Ferasmin Lamentations here to the Briarstone Asylum. And did we make a check on Ferasmin Lamentations? Do you know what that is? No, but my assumption is that it's a holy order uh, of some kind that also takes in the, the the less fortunate, but I don't specific. We didn't make a specific check. Go ahead, and make a local check, and or a religion check on in Ray's case. Either would be very valid. Oh, man, God, your faces when you roll these die. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm literally I haven't rolled anything like over like a four or it's like everything has okay, just well, been garbage. Disease free soon. My minus two, that is a total of an 11. Yeah. And I have a 16. 16, great. It is the name of, kind of like you were thinking, Johnny, a religious hospice that serves beggars, homeless, other unfortunates, and takes care of them. 
and it's it's a name applied to kind of the wing of the Farazman Church. Usually has a building in every town that's dedicated to serving the public that way, and they just call those the Farazman Lamentations. So this happened to be that particular operation in Rosenport. It would tell you that if Zandalus was sent there, that he had no family or nobody. Uh, there was nobody to take care of him. That he essentially kind of became a ward of the church after returning from being tortured and forced to participate in vile rituals dedicated to the great old one, Haster, the king in Exposed yellow. Exposed to hallucinogens. Exposed to hallucinogens, yes. So, in thinking about all this, especially over the past couple days while he's been in this sort of like weird in and out of it lucid not having a sense of self he's been thinking about himself disappearing and who is he and he's remembering the information that he got about Gulliver Vaticus Uh being run out of Rosenport in the like mid 80s kind of thing Mm -hmm. and going wait a minute that seems like that would be about the same time that Zandalus was transferred out of the Lamentations and moved to the Briarstone Asylum. So he wants to specifically try to think about, remember, make a knowledge local check of the... Connecting date dots. Connecting date dots and also connecting, since these were sort of like the less fortunate that were picked up by the Phrasman Lamentations, would this have been hunting grounds for himself, Mm -hmm. for Gulliver Vaticus to do experiments on? were the, is it possible that Gulliver Vaticus knew Zandalus? I love it. Give me a, a local check. And as he's as he's been thinking about this, he's like, wait a minute. And he takes a minute, and he's going to make tears to wine again <laughs> yes. to try to like focus himself Definitely. in and think about all this and really Definitely. like make his brain hopefully work and see if we get anything. Oh, natural fucking two. Oh my God! He can't. I think this is if if there is any connection, it's like his brain is literally moving away from it, kind of thing. He can't remember anything. Yeah. But so this is a question that he that he yeah. puts forth, and basically says, uh, "Look, I, I remember some knowledge about Gulliver Vaticus, like the Gulliver Vaticus that I, I was. He did a lot of experiments on people and uh, used." different drugs to control their minds and change their perceptions and and a lot of them died and I used to be in Rosenport and then I had to leave there and so I, I don't know I, I could have had something to do with this I, I, I don't know but he wants to make sure that he shares that yeah. with everybody getting that out in the open yeah and then the last the last thought that I had is uh thinking about the this idea of identity and people's personality being taken out of one body and put into another, he wonders if there's any chance that Dean Mertmain, who was supposedly never himself after this trip and in fact lost himself in that book, mm-hmm. which he thinks might be the Chain of Knights, if there's any chance due to the aged effect if Zandalus is currently Dean Mertmain, and Dean Mertmain has like the face of Andalus and has been sent here and trapped here this entire time. Interesting. I think I think with the checks that you've already made, you would know that Henri Mertmain 
was enough of a widely known public figure that had anything funky happened with him disappearing or changing personality aside from uh, slipping into some obsession perhaps with this book that you would have possibly recalled that already. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I, I, love, I love, again, I love where the brain is taken, yeah. Man, all right. What do we think is, is Zandalus's story here? Like, who, who do we think he is at this moment in time? Reynard, what do you think? <laughs> the fox says, I don't think it matters who he is because in the end, he's going to take care of both of us. Is he? Yes. Yes. Take care in the sense. Slaughter, really, honestly, because, mm. you know, we are just meat. Dora? <laughs> Dora? Yes? Did you, did you learn anything of, of interest in the, the library? Dora shares everything she learned about Haster and the right. Briarstone Witch in the last couple of days. Great. Does... But not with insight. No, mm. no, it's just like just these are facts, right? facts. Yeah. Does that, do those blooded standing stones have, are they in any way similar to the standing stone that's supposedly on this island that Xanlis made a drawing of? I could take a history check on that at this point. So he will ask that question. Yeah, great. So Dory's going to jump in on that. Uh, 21? Mm-hmm. Hey, a nine, that's higher. It's still not, not anything. <laughs> so I think, I think Dora, in her removed, dispassionate way, probably fun for all of you to just watch, recalls like, oh, yeah, I think everybody knows that there are these three standing stones in Thrushmore, and there are two unfinished ones that bear very similar resemblance to them right on Briarstone Isle, kind of on the north, the north coast. Everybody knows that. Maybe she's telling this to Renard or something. <laughs> oh, man. But you do specifically oh. remember that there there were three there, two here, and the two here you recall as being unfinished. Like whatever, like maybe at some point they started to be built or created or empowered or enchanted or whatever, and they were not finished. Okay. Uh, which may explain why people were comfortable having this giant building taking care of uh, ill people so close to them because they seemed to have they seemed to never have been completed. And they were also on a part of the island, as I think came up in one of these documents, on the part of the island that patients were not allowed to go see. Right. Which, again, is super weird that Zandalus was apparently drawing them. Yeah, I think Dora thinks there's, um, she has no concrete theory, but in her mind it makes sense that Zandalus is some kind of conduit between the, the world of dreams and here and there is some sort of open connection mm -hmm. so when we see paint in the hallway that is a piece of his dream and the, and the smells and, and the things are part of his dreams made reality here mm -hmm. that's, that's her working theory based on all that we don't know that's awesome <laughs> Grip doesn't make theories <laughs> just as a general rule but right now he's these last he's he's gone a little fucking stir crazy oh, I bet. these last couple of days it's just he's pacing back and forth and as far as he's concerned uh, Zandalus is just the fuck that's keeping him trapped in this place yeah. yeah um and he's happy to help however he can but he's he's starting to get a little a little antsy 
and the push-ups aren't taking the edge off anymore. Oh, and the, the banter with the ratlings not doing it <laughs> Fuck for those you. fucking ratlings. <laughs> do, do you feel like he and Den have had any new conversations? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I think he's... He's like, I, I, I think he tried, he's, 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 he's tried to talk to him. He's, he's still, you know, he's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to egg Den on. Like he's, right. he's, and he's not in danger of punching any of anyone in this room in the face yet. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, he's, he's, it's, it's, it's he's, he's, he's probably irritable. He's yeah. probably itching to get out. Yeah. Just, he hasn't hit anything in a long time. And yeah. that's really all. That's when he's, you know, he's in his own when he's when he's fighting stuff, and so he's yeah he's getting a little he's getting a little antsy. And and you've been healed now. You've been feeling oh, good yeah. for the past couple days. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like Ray just got well, and I'm now like deep in it. And yeah, oh that's got to be rough. Let's do this. I was pretty rigid on the first day of rest about yeah I don't think there's time for psychometry because Dora would have yeah, but like we've now been it. we've been very chill for a couple days here in terms of our adrenaline hasn't been spiking we haven't been exposed to new horrors I think there might be time to fit in uh, hey, some, here's mm-hmm. a question actually and I'm sorry to, to interrupt but Please do. so with with and we you know we don't know this is very meta we don't know these numbers but given that Dora's sanity damage has decreased so much. Like, have we noticed any change in, like, her behavior towards the fox? Has there been, like, any any kind of difference at all? Well, because nope. Katie immediately was shaking her head. Yeah. No. no. I don't think, I think the way that we're looking at, mechanically, at yeah. sanity, she has this madness. She can get down to zero. That doesn't take away this madness. The madness is the madness, and that's the relationship with the fox. So I, so I introduced gotcha. okay. this idea that she's now she's starting to hear the fox talk back. Let's think that maybe that first day that was happening a lot, where mm-hmm. the conversation seemed particularly intense, as though there was an actual back and forth instead of you know it's kind of started with like oh shh 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 you know yes I'll I'll take care of this, and it turned into dialogue. Right. And maybe there was a lot of that at first. So maybe some of that has tapered off in frequency, but I think that might and be that's, it. That's what I had, I had lost sight, or I had kind of forgotten the mechanic of it, because it was the same with me. Like, yeah. I lost my sanity damage. I still have the phobia. It's dormant. So you still have the still delusion. Still have the delusion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ray, uh, can I can I ask you, since, you know, you, you've been very quiet, sort of like, how are you feeling as you're watching, like, your mother figure is still, like, has descended into, like, this full-blown mental illness. And your, not father figure, but this guy who says that he's your dad is, like, lying here possibly at death's door. And you're you're the healer. I'm very frustrated that I, that there's not much I can do. So that's why I'm going with Dora to the library, helping there. It seems to be the only thing I can do, trying to heal. Trying to heal right now or rolling all these checks is just, <laughs> I'm just not being useful. So it's, I'm feeling antsy yeah. as well. Yeah. Like this, we can, the we're in a pattern right now. The medicine's running out. And we're what running is, out of time. What does that mean? Like when medicine runs out, what, what is the reality of that? All three of the kids have conditions that they're currently being medicated for. The loss of that medicine won't at first be a, a super big issue. Good thing we just gave Bates a gun. Right, exactly. Uh, the, the, the immediate concern is probably Loic, yeah. whose detachment from reality is extreme enough 
that he might have to be bound. Or, he, yes, yeah. he might, there might have to be some restraints. constraints and restraints, and that that is something that nobody is particularly comfortable with the okay. idea of. Because again, he seems so gentle and serene when he's in a good place, but um, yeah. So, but psychometry. Yeah, let's do what one do we today. Have that anyone wants read. So we know we've got uh, that spell book. We've got the formula book. We've got Ray's Morning Star. We've got. The rapier, which I think Gull gave to Faustin for the Faustin moment. Faustin is holding right now. Uh, we got the two different wedding rings, the alchemical torch, the little sack of finger bones, and uh, the amulet of natural armor that Gull is wearing is also radiating psychic significance. Yeah, Zora doesn't have any interest in performing psychometry on anything that she's carrying. Oh, nothing she's carrying. Okay. It, doesn't, it just doesn't matter. What about red density? <laughs> you are my density. Uh, red density doesn't have uh, uh, a campaign-specific okay. uh, psychic significance attached to it. <laughs> Read into that what you will. Yeah. So any of these objects that somebody else might be uh, approaching Dora to ask about uh, reading? Do you know anything about this morning star? Oh. Um, so Dora sits on the ground, cross-legged, and nestles the fox in her lap before she'll free a hand up to take it from you um, and makes sure that he's okay and then and then you know takes it and she will close her eyes and do her thing all right so this is a perception check to decipher the visions that she's going to receive and we've done different variations, but I am going to let, this is one that I will let you roll. Because one of the reasons to <laughs> make... Because we're rolling so great today. I know. One of the reasons that this might be a secret check is that there's an option for GMs to give you false information. Right. I just want to say for our table, we're only using... I'm, if, if you, if you if study fail, a thing, you either not, get yeah. nothing or something real. Okay. I'm not going to be like giving you red herring nonsense <laughs> Thank visions. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Then perception. Can I use Burst of Insight? Yes, you may. So that gives me plus eight, so it's a plus four to the check. Great. 13. 26. Oh, wow. Nice. I switched dice. Nice, okay. Uh, you would be able to get two visions from this. I really only have one that Dora would find of note. Great. So she she takes this morning star in her in her lap and she sinks into that place of connection with the object and she starts to see flashes of images and flashes of images from many, many years, many of them associated with violence. And then she sort of reaches her mental hand out and you see a man, a rich man, a powerful man, a happy man walking through the streets of his hometown. He has a secret. Today is the best day of his life. Christoph Van Horten has always been a man of faith. His father brought him into the family traditions at a young age, and he's been devoted ever since. He attends services regularly. He tithes. He shows respect. He shows humility, in fact, which is not something he's accustomed to showing in the regular course of his highly entitled life. And after 40 years of faith and devotion, he's been given a sign of favor from the perfect one, the one who truly knows him, sees him, and understands him. Today, he advances to a level of communion with his deity that few are fortunate enough to attain, all in the name of beauty. 
of perfection, art and faith and life and devotion made one. Picture Matthew Modine in Dark Knight Rises, okay? You know, handsome, fit, patrician. Well, that kind of comfortable in his power, yet a little bit sniveling. You know what I mean? He's a stand-up guy, except when he's not. (laughs) He's not perfect, but he doesn't know that. But he is ready to give everything to his church and to his faith. And that, he believes, makes up for whatever little imperfections he may possess, not that he does. His clothing is the finest of the fine, his hair is perfect, his teeth are perfect, his smile is infectious, it lights up the street. Today is the day, he thinks. He walks into the finest, the most exclusive club in the city. The staff all nod and greet him by name. Welcome, Master Van Horten. He smiles. He can't help himself. He even tips them. Why not? The package (laughs) tucked under his arm has grown heavy. He's not accustomed to lugging that much weight around. He's a trading magnate, not a stevedore. But all this physical labor, (laughs) this common physical labor will be worth it the pain, the burning ache in his arms because he has the perfect gift to celebrate this, the best day of his life. He carries under his arms a weapon, a family heirloom from back when his ancestors actually fought in wars and swung steel. It's a morning star named Whoreflame. And no, not W-H-O-R-E, H-O-A-R, like hoarfrost. The practice, you see, unspoken but known, is that you make a gift to the priest or priestess overseeing the rites. The ceremony takes so much out of the celebrant, and even though they believe in it and love it, it drains them. It asks so much of them. Of course, it will ask a lot of him, too. But this is a sign of gratitude and respect. You do this thing for me, thus I give myself to you. Again, this practice of making a fine gift to your celebrant is not spoken of, certainly not technically required, but it is never, never overlooked. Van Horten reaches his private table and sees the new priest that will be conducting his services. This is the first time they ever meet. He's so young, Van Horten thinks. Perfect skin, smooth hands, though there's something weird about his body. His wrists are so skinny, his arms are weirdly long, his head's a little big. There's something odd about the way he's sitting. Van Horten's on the verge of some niggling doubts, but then he sees the fire in the young man's eyes, and he knows he's going to be in good hands. Young man says, welcome. Please be seated. Let us feast before the celebration begins. He brushes a tangle of black hair (laughs) off his eyes. (laughs) Uh, Before we do, Van Horten says, I have a token of my appreciation that I'd like to share. He lays the box on the table and gestures to it. Please. The young priest nods, opens the box. Inside, it's the morning star, but not banged to shit, not covered in blood, encrusted in gore. Old, solid, black, glowing, ever so slightly pale gray. Licked, in fact, with silvery flame. Van Horten speaks. It's been in my family for centuries, I believe. The crafter's name is lost to time, uh, and it's certainly seen some use, but beauty, in my view at least, it isn't just about outward appearances. It's also about the perfect implement being perfectly used. 
in a righteous cause. And my hope is that if you ever find yourself in need of the perfect implement to help you defend the flame of our faith against heretics, that you will see beauty within the magic of whore flame. The black-haired priest with the perfect skin licks his lips and says, thank you with all my heart. Thank you. And he leans in close to Van Horten, licks his ear, and whispers, for eternity. End of chapter 21. Oh, God. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes, along with additional music, composed by Rob Kozlarek. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. Fantastic. Did we level? 